Now, this is for uh, later, so you'll, you'll understand in a few minutes. But I want you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. You probably guessed that already, right? Some of you are already there. But I, I'm going to read through Acts chapter 1 and 2, probably several verses throughout my message. But right now, I want to, to focus on a specific part. And it says in verse 6, when, or excuse me, let's go back to verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation. Say every nation. Under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and then, I know I'm going to hear an amen from this one, and Arabs. Amen. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. I made a statement last week, and I want to make that statement. That when Pentecost came, it changed the world. People think Pentecost just changed the church. There was no church before the Pentecost. There were the people of God, but the church was formed at Pentecost. But it also changed the world. Because the world had never fully seen what happened here. You see, this went from being primarily an Israeli religion to in the same day it was born, a global religion or a global movement. I love New Day Church. I love to look around and see people from multiple nations. Just looking around right now, I know in our church and those watching online that are part of our church, we're a part of about 10 different nations just in our church alone. Think of it. Think of it. I love that. And so when things happen that have been happening in our nation like they've been happening this week, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of, of, of why are people doing this? What is going on? I don't understand. And there is a lot of misunderstanding. Would you agree with that? And there's misunderstanding on both parts. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand a lot of it. I do understand what it's like to be a minority in a high school. Yes. As a white man, I was a minority in my own high school in downtown Fort Worth. I know what it's like to be spit on because I'm white by those of other colors. And yet my parents taught me not to hate. 
My mom made this statement to me I don't know how many times. She said, there is only one individual that you can hate and still remain a Christian. Anybody guess who that individual is? Satan. I have every right to hate Satan. I hate him with all my guts. He has pillaged. He has ravaged. He has hurt more people. And don't tell me that this is about race. This is about Satan stirring people up to bring division to our nation. And that's the truth. But I also understand another side. Because I have many friends in the African-American community. I have many Indian friends. I have many Asian friends. I have many Arab friends now. I have friends from all races, all creeds, all languages. Well, not all, but I have a lot. I've traveled. And I've seen something. I've seen oppression in every nation that I've ever been to. And I've talked to people who have been oppressed. I've talked to people who have been oppressed because of a skin color, because of a dialect, because of a certain way they speak. And it's wrong. And on the day of Pentecost, Christ set things straight. And he said, my church, my church will be a unified church. My church will not be about one race, one color, one language, except the language of the Spirit. That's my church. So Jesus set things right. So when things happen like they happen, I want to encourage you, and if you're watching online, do not get caught up in the political or the racial rhetoric that is out there. Be the light. Be the church. Come with love. Last night, Joni and I were up very late. She was up later than I. I don't even know what time she went to sleep. But I fell asleep to the sounds of a very close friend of mine who was walking the streets of Washington, D.C. as an African-American pastor preaching to people in the streets live on Facebook. The last I saw that he had over 1,300 people watching live. As he walked the streets of his town, brokenhearted, telling people, Peace, peace, peace. Don't make this what it's not, peace. But I know my friend also understands the oppression. And he understands what people have done to him just because he's a certain color. And it's wrong. Did you hear me, church? It's wrong. I want us to stand. And if you're at, at home, I want you to stand. And I want us to pray. Please understand, I know that most of the rioters and looters are taking advantage of a situation they don't even believe in. There are white anarchists who have set most of the fires. That's what the police reports are coming. I know that. Don't get caught up in that. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for the people who are being oppressed not because of who they are in here but because of who they are out here. Let's pray for 
our police officer. I have many police officers that are friends in Mesquite, in Arlington, in Tampa. I want to pray for them because they're being put in harm's way right now because of debauchery and because of Satan stirring up crowds. And then let's also pray for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. Amen? Can we do that right now? Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus at a desperate time for our nation. God, we come before you and ask for your mercy. Even the scripture we just had, God, we beat our chest and we say, God, have mercy upon our nation. Have mercy upon us, O God. Forgive us for our sins against those who did nothing against us. Forgive us, God. Jesus, you cried out to forgive those who crucified you. How much more do we say, God, forgive us for hurting those that we had no purpose or reason for hurting? God, we pray for the oppressed. We pray for the downtrodden. We pray for those in our own nation that are angry and that are hurting right now, God. God, I pray that you would bring peace, peace, peace in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for the Floyd family right now, God, that you would bring peace to them. God, that you would surround them. God, that you would give them hope that you are their God and that you are their judge. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for those that are hurting right now. God, that you would pour out your spirit upon them in Jesus' name. God, I pray for our police officers and for the military who are responding God, to the debauchery and to the looters and to those that are, that are out to seek harm, that are being fueled in rage by anger and by hatred out of Satan's own belly. God, I come before you for our police officers right now that you would bring protection. God, I pray for Jason. God, I pray for Aaron. God, I pray for Keith. God, I pray for these friends of mine and many friends that we know in this room. God, I pray for the military, for those being called up right now. God, I pray for their protection in Jesus' name. God, and I also pray, Lord, for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and to proclaim peace, to proclaim help, to proclaim that there is another way. God, I pray that the church would rise up right now in Jesus' name. God, help us to be peacemakers, persons of peace. Let the love of Christ flow through us like never before. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, and your love. In Jesus' name. Everyone that agrees with that said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me switch gears here for a moment. Can you help me? Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and 2 frame the story that we've been talking about starting last week. I want you to look at verse 4. Once while he was eating with them, Jesus, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with or in water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. Guys, can I get a little monitor up here? Thank you so much. 
Then he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, verse 7, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, I, I want you to know something, that from the day that Christ was raised from the dead to the day of Pentecost was approximately 50 days. The day of Pentecost was part of a Jewish feast, the Shabbat, feast of, uh, of harvest. It was actually known by multiple names. But it was a feast of harvest. It was also a feast of the Word of God, going back into the Old Testament. So there was this element that when the people gathered together from every nation, this was one of three primary festivals where if a good Jewish man could do it, he would go to Jerusalem three times a year. If he couldn't, this was one of the most important ones that he would make. And many times they would travel and stay from Passover all the way into Pentecost. So they were there for the whole 50 days. But when Christ ascended, it was 40 days after his resurrection. So he didn't say in 10 days or on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He just said, go and wait for the gift. So some people wonder why Pentecostal charismatic services are a little longer than others. Some of you got that right there. <laughs> just be thankful that I don't make it a 10-day service, right? But I remember, and, and the man that I revere right here is sitting here, and he remembers Days of revival that would go for a week, two weeks. Even in modern day, in Pensacola, that revival went, from most people's estimation, for five years. In fact, the first, I can't remember how many weeks it was, they didn't take a break. They finally said, okay, this thing is going for a while. And they finally started taking some breaks, one and two day breaks, three day breaks. And yet the Spirit would continue to just be poured out. But... But they didn't get that for 10 days. They prayed, they praised, and they waited. I said they pray, they praised, and they waited. You also know, according to 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, that 500 were actually at the day of ascension. In other words, 500 people watched Christ go up into the clouds, but there were only 120 on the day of Pentecost. That means 380 had something else to do that day. They were all told the same thing. But 380 decided, I've got other things to do. i got to get home. i got to do whatever. Can I tell you there is something to be said about waiting on the Lord. There's something to be said about what my forefathers called tearing in the altars. Now there was a belief that came out of that that said that you had to stay in the altars for hours before the Holy Spirit would be poured out. That's not always true. I know my own grandfather sought the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for three weeks straight, and then he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit under his buckboard as he was praying over his lunch, not in a church service. But my aunt, on the other hand, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit the first day she walked into the revival. Why is that? I have no idea. People say, I, I'm seeking for the Lord. Keep seeking for the Lord. Keep seeking for the Lord. Keep seeking for for what he has for you. How many of you know sometimes we make our children wait longer for gifts 
then we're willing to wait for the Lord. I don't know about you, but we stopped putting too many gifts under the tree <laughs> three weeks out. Now we try and wait till it's just, you know, a couple days before because people sneak. Anybody? Come on, anybody? Anybody remember that when you were a kid and you snuck in there? I remember one time I was, I, 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 I'm trying to remember if it was my birthday or Christmas. I honestly can't remember. I think it was my birthday. But, but my mom told me she got me a nice little gift, and I wanted to know what that gift was. And so during a time when she was busy making dinner and everybody else was busy, I went and I got the gift from, from wherever it was, and I went into her closet. Why would I go to her closet? And I went to her closet, and I unwrapped it, and sure enough, it was a Swiss Army knife. I was like, yes, every 11-year-old boy's dream, right? Swiss Army knife. It was even red. And I wrapped it back up, and I put it back in its place. Guess what? How many of you know moms have the gift of discernment, even if they're ranked sinners? But my mom was not a ranked sinner. She was a very Holy Ghost-filled woman, and that gift of discernment was strong upon her. (laughs) And she knew what I'd done. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take the gift back. Oh, I wailed, I weep. No, please, I'm so sorry. And then the day came, and there was the gift. And I got the gift. But, man, she made me sweat through that. And yet we're willing to say, well, if God's not going to give me this gift or not, God's not going to do this, then I guess he doesn't want me to have it. And that's our attitude. And yet God is so gracious and so loving and so kind. I don't always understand his timing, but I know that this gift is for you and your children and for all who are far off. He said this gift is for anyone who will seek me and find me. It's theirs. I want to talk to you. I talked last week about God having a plan. God has a plan. He always does. And last week we talked about the pause, about how preparation precedes Pentecost, that, that, we've, that there is a time of preparation, there is a time of waiting, there is a time of seeking. Preparation precedes Pentecost. But today I want to talk to you the second part of the plan, the power. I want to talk to you that the power has a purpose. The power has a purpose. And I know many of you think, because you know Acts chapter 1 and 2 so well, that you think I'm going to talk about evangelism, that will come. But I want you to understand something about the power first. The power of Pentecost transforms us. The power of Pentecost transforms us. Peter was transformed from a stumbling linguist to a powerful preacher in a moment. Do you remember Peter? (laughs) Do you remember the things he would shoot off his mouth? The things he would say? One minute, uh, who was I talking to yesterday? One minute, oh, it was Pastor Simon, we were talking. One minute, Simon is saying something. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's like, wow, incredible. And then the next minute, he's saying something dumb, and Jesus is rebuking him and saying, Satan, get behind me. I mean, that's, that's Peter. Peter was just willing to say whatever was on his mind. You didn't have to wonder what was on Peter's mind, and sometimes it wasn't good. Sometimes he should have held his tongue. And Peter was, was not the one I personally would have chosen to lead the church at that moment. Maybe James, maybe some of the others, but not Peter. But God transformed Peter. God transformed that fisherman 
into one of the most powerful preachers of all time. And it was done through Pentecost. Philip was transformed from a table server to a spirit-led evangelist. Saul was transformed from a murderous religious terrorist. Think about it. To a passionate servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to get your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. I want to talk about the other Saul for a few minutes. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Because the Old Testament gives us examples of how the Spirit's power would transform an individual. And Saul, King Saul, gives us one of those greatest examples. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him. Now I want you to stop and look up here. Samuel is a type of Christ in this instant. Samuel, if you remember, was a prophet, but also the Bible says that not one word of his fell to the ground. In other words, Samuel did not waste his words. And whatever Samuel spoke from the time he was a child and said, Yes, Lord, your servant's listening. From that point on, almost everything Samuel said was literally anointed by God. Samuel is a type of Christ here. And then he takes his flask of oil. Don't have mine up here. But he takes his flask of oil, and, and it's like a, like a ram's horn that we have here in the church. And and he pours it over Saul. That flask of oil is a representative of who, church? The Holy Spirit. The holy oil of gladness, the oil of joy. And as he does that, he says, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? So he's anointing Saul and saying, You're going to be the first king of Israel. You're the first one I anoint you. And if you remember from last week, I said that the Holy Spirit came upon certain people for certain jobs. Kings, priests, prophets, craftsmen. They were for a certain time period. But it was upon them, not in them. But something unique happened with Samuel. There were a series of signs, confirmations that Saul would encounter along the way. But go to verse 5. It says, after that, Samuel's still talking to Saul. You will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be, what church? Prophesying. Say prophesying. Verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. And here's the key part. You will be changed into a different person. You'll be changed into a different person. He literally said, Saul, when the Spirit comes on you, you're going to be changed. You're going to be transformed. Look at verse 9. It says, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. And when he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. 
the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. He joined in their prophesying. Exactly what Samuel prophesied came true. When the Spirit of God came upon Saul, he was changed into a new man. He was changed into a new man. You see, the oil was poured, and then he was changed. Let me say that again. The oil was poured, and then he was changed. The anointing came, and then he was changed. There was an outward sign of the inward work of the Spirit. What was that outward sign? The oil, but there was another outward sign. Do you know what it was? The prophesying. The prophesying. You see, Saul shouldn't have been prophesying. He wasn't a prophet. That was outside of his gift. That was outside of his ability. In fact, if we were to read the whole passage there, you would see that people were shocked and amazed that, that this man who was out looking for his, his dad's donkeys, that literally he began to prophesy with the prophets and they were amazed at that. Now you have to understand something. Why would they be shocked that Saul was talking? I mean, what's the big... In other words, how can you tell a difference between somebody prophesying and somebody just talking? What if somebody gets up and says, well, I think that this is what's going to happen, blah, 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 versus, thus saith the Lord, this is what's going to happen. They may sound very similar. I've seen prophets who are very, very calm when they prophesy. I know I, I, I come from a strain of Pentecostalism that really likes to shout, really likes to dance, do all that kind of stuff. But I've also seen prophets who are very calm, very collected, and say, well, this is what the Lord is saying right now. And boom, they speak it, and it's right on the money. So how did they know? They knew because they could sense the Spirit of God upon him. And the things he was saying shouldn't have been coming out of his life. In other words, he was speaking things he had never spoken before. He was saying things he had never said before. He was saying things that were not taught him by his parents. He was saying things that were not taught him in the synagogue. He was speaking things that he had never spoken before. It was an outward sign of the inward work. And the baptism in the Spirit is inside out. The baptism of the Spirit is inside out. We speak, when we talk about the day of Pentecost, many times, uh, especially people from maybe outside charismatic Pentecostal circles, then they automatically think we're going to talk about tongues or, well, other things. Maybe there's some other things they think we're going to talk about. But, but they, they think that that's automatically part of it. And can I be honest with you right now? Growing up in a, an Assembly of God church that I'm very thankful I grew up in, but even in that, there were many times as a young man that I thought that basically tongues was the only expression of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't grow up that way. But I didn't realize till later that there were multiple expressions. Why? Because all I experienced was tongues and interpretation. I don't say all. Mostly I experienced tongues and interpretation. Anybody have that experience? Yeah, 
few of us. And, and like prophecy and words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment, some of those things were kind of almost like on a lower level. And yet 1 Corinthians 14 says, from Paul, I desire that you prophesy above all things. I love prophecy. It's God speaking through you things you would not know, that you would not have learned, and that God speaks things through you. And can I, can I just say this too? It's not just all about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. Prophecy can come and can encourage, and it always will encourage in one way or the other, but it's not just about, oh, you're going to be wealthy and you're going to come into some big... No, it's not just that. It's an outward expression of an inward work. And in the Old Testament, this was one of the ways that the that this work of the Spirit began to come upon them. Now, we see this throughout the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers, that there was an outward expression, and there were tongues. Tongues came out of people who were baptized in the Spirit, not just in Acts chapter 2, but in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. You can see it throughout Scripture. In fact, so much so, and I'm not going to take time to go into all the verses, but so much so that people would see something happen when the Holy Spirit came on them. Now listen to me, church. There is always going to be an outward expression of an inward work. Does this not happen at salvation? Hello? You with me? People, I, I, I've heard testimonies of people who were recently saved, weren't raised in church, but get saved, and they start saying things like, I had to stop cursing. Not because someone taught them, but because of the inward work that happened in them. Their speech began to change. I've heard some people who get saved that, that were not raised in church, not raised with a, this set of this thing, and said, I had to give up drinking. I didn't have any desire for drinking anymore. I had to give up, I had to give up drugs. I didn't have any more desire for drugs. Do you hear what I'm saying? It, it's different for each person. But when you were saved, how did you know you were saved? Was it because you said a prayer at an altar? Or was it because there was change in your life? And if there's no change in your life, I don't want to question your salvation, but maybe we need to look at that and we need to go back to the Lord and we need to say, God, maybe, maybe I need to see some things change. What changes? Your desires change. Your speech changes. Your life changes. Your living changes. If someone gets saved but does not change anything in their life, then I'm here to tell you they're not saved. Thank you for that overwhelming agreement with that. I appreciate that. I, this is one reason why that we've got to be careful when we say, oh, 5,000 people got saved at that conference, that's awesome. And we shouldn't doubt that. Yet at the same time, there needs to be life change in those individuals. That's where discipleship comes in. Hello. That's where a desire to come to church comes in. Hello. People who tell me that, oh, I don't have any desire to be in church, yet I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so saved, but I don't desire to be in church. Why wouldn't you desire to be with the bride of Christ? 
Hello? Sorry, online. But there is a des there's desires that begin to change in us. Okay, i got to move on here. Just like salvation, when we are baptized in the Spirit, there is a transformation that takes place. Things begin to happen in us and through us. In fact, we call the baptism in the Spirit the second work of grace. The first work of grace is salvation. Oh, oh, but what a great grace. Amazing grace that saved us from a life of sin and a life of bondage and a life of going to hell. That is a great grace. Can somebody say amen? And without that grace, there's no second grace. You go through the first grace before you go through the second grace. But the word grace does not mean a pass to get away with whatever I want to get away with. That's not the word grace. In fact, grace is the supernatural empowerment to do what truth demands. I said grace means the supernatural empowerment to do what truth demands. He gives me grace to live this life, not because I just am a good person, but because of his grace. I can now live this life. It's the same way with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not something you can work up. This is not something you can conjure up. This is not something that, that you, can, you can figure out or you can say words. Anybody who tells you, start speaking these words and then you'll be baptized in the Spirit, you need to question that. Because it's not even about the words. It's about the transformation inside out. The words come as a result of the inner transformation. I'm teaching you Bible right now. I told you, you didn't know I could go this deep, but I am. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out for you here, and I really appreciate, again, some help that helped me out to make this happen. And what we have here are a few things, and hopefully this shows up on the TV. But first of all, we have this. Anybody know what this is? It's a cucumber. It's exactly right. We right now are growing in our garden, not cucumbers, right? Do we have any cucumbers? No, we didn't grow any this year. We're growing squash and we're growing some other things, but no cucumbers. So we had to go to the store to get these. But this is a cucumber. Anybody deny that? It's a cucumber. Then we have these. Does anybody know what these are called? Pickles. Pickles. What's the difference between a cucumber and a pickle? Maybe, maybe this is the first time some of you are hearing this, but did you know that pickles are cucumbers? <laughs> what? I thought that they were squash. No, they're cucumbers. All in here is cucumbers. But we call them pickles for a reason, and I'm going to show you why in just a moment. So you see, scripturally, there are four distinct words for the word baptize. Say baptize. I want to read this to you just because it's easier to read than try and make up the words. So, Nicander, a Greek poet, physician, who lived about 200 B.C., in other words, approximately 200 years before Christ was born, gives an example between the two words that the New Testament uses for the Greek. It is a recipe for making pickles and is helpful because it uses both words. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable, the cucumber, 
should be dipped, baptio, into boiling water and then baptized or baptizo in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution. But the first is temporary. The second is an act of baptizing the vegetable because a permanent change happens. So the two words we're looking at are baptio and baptizo. It just, it's just an I-Z in the one. Or the, what I say, it's the difference between being dipped and being dunked. Being dipped and being dunked. So if you're a cucumber, hi cucumber, if you're a cucumber and, and you want to get dipped, then it's real simple. There you go. You're dipped now. But I'm not going to do it because I'm not a big fan of this. But if I were to lick this off, how many of you know, what would I still have? I would still have a cucumber. And I could go back and I could dip it again. And I, and I could continue to eat the sauce. I could continue to lick off the sauce and continue to enjoy the sauce. I don't know why you don't just drink the sauce at that point. But this is the whole point. This is being dipped. It's a temporary thing. And there are many people in the church that are satisfied with a dipping in the Spirit. There are many people in the church that are satisfied with going to church on Sunday and then letting it rub off the rest of the week. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm starting to preach good now. There are many people in the church who are willing to say, I, I, just, want, I just want to put my toe in. You remember there was a prophet in the Old Testament who when he was led to a great river in Ezekiel 47, who the angel took him and he first stepped in just a little bit, ankle deep water, right? You remember that? And then what happened, church? Then he went up to what water? Knee deep water. And then he went up to waist deep water. And then the Bible says, and the prophet says, now I was going into waters that I had to swim in. I was completely overcome by the river of God. And here's the thing. It's okay to be dipped. It's okay to come to services like this and, and watch other people get touched by the power of God. It's okay that, that you're still trying to examine and you want to know the word and you want the word to, you know, you want all the scriptures that I haven't even talked about. You want all of those before you go all the way. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Where the issue becomes is when you become satisfied with simply being dipped. And day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you're satisfied with the dipping. But you're, you don't want to go any further. Can I tell you, church, God wants us to be babto. He wants us to be dipped. But He also wants us to be baptizo, transformed, because this is much, much different. How many of you know if I were to give somebody a bite of that cucumber, there would be a certain flavor? But if I give you a bite of this cucumber, how many of you know there's no way you can get away from this flavor? Why is that? Because it's been pickled. Maybe it should have been that, dipped versus pickled. But, you know, being pickled, I don't know about that. I don't know if you want to be pickled by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. 
We've got to desire this. Why? Because literally there are people who don't know that pickles are just cucumbers. Why? Because it so transforms the vegetable. There's another portion when it comes to pickling. Should have brought a napkin too. I'll just look at this. Good. There is another portion of Scripture that when talking about baptism, that, that gentlemen... Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, sir. There are people that commentators and those that from live from all like NICOR that also used another term, not just the pickling, but they also talked about it in the aspect of ships, ships that would sink to the bottom of the water and become so saturated with the water that when trying to bring that ship above, it would add hundreds and hundreds of pounds to the ship because of the water that was now permeated into the boat. And some boats would actually become part of the sea because of the water that transformed them. This is the kind of baptism I want in my life. I want to be so soaked in the Holy Ghost that it changes me from the inside out. So you can't tell me from another cucumber because I'm different. I'm changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the difference. In the Old Testament, they got dipped for a specific purpose. But in the New Testament, Jesus said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, with water, John the Baptist, that's good. But I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit where it's going to transform your life. It's going to change you from a weak little man who can barely speak to a powerful preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. From a man who's serving tables and it's a good thing, but now to an evangelist that's going to shake an entire city. That's the kind of baptism I'm talking about. I don't know which week it was, but you'll have to go back at some point. I'll, we'll, I'll try and find out which week it was, but there was a Wednesday night where Brother Abraham shared his story about being a good Christian young man who did many good things for God, who, who would do out, but, but when he went out to go and witness, <laughs> he would shake in his boots. That's the Texas term. I don't know if that's an Indian term. But he would, he would shake because he was so afraid. And he tells a powerful story that I'm not going to tell right here. But once he came into an encounter with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a ditch, God literally transformed him. And within days, he was witnessing to people all up and down. And it's been his life consummation now that he is consumed with the fire of God to get the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever he goes. He was saved before. But now... Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Changed. Why is it? Tell me, please. Why did Jesus tell his disciples, go to the upper room instead of go to the streets first? Because he wanted the transformation to be complete. You see, there's an inner transformation that saves us from sin, that saves us from bondage, that, that rescues us from a life of hell. And then there is a second work of grace that prepares us for the work that He's called us to do. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the overflow of the river of God within you, through you, and out of you. Why do we speak in tongues? Because it's an outward expression of an inner work that God does. I want to read you a story. Is that okay? You got time for this? Good, I do too. I am not making wait 10 days. I, I picked up this book. I don't even, I honestly don't know why I picked this book up. I do know the Holy Spirit, but at the time I don't know why I grabbed this book. It's a very old book. It was older than I think just about everybody in the room because it was written in 1941. Written in 1941. Maybe not everybody, but almost everybody. And as this book was written in 41, it was written about accounts that happened at the turn of the century. So these are not like fifth-hand accounts. These are first-hand account stories of, of things that happened in the late 1800s, coming into the 1900s, all the way up to 1941. The book is called With Signs Following. And, and I want to read you. I want to read you about a young girl named Maria. It says, about the same time that Brother Walthall, who was a Baptist preacher who got baptized in the Holy Spirit and then kicked out of the Baptist church and then ended up being superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Arkansas. After, about the same time he received the Holy Ghost, there lived in a village a Switzerland, in Switzerland a girl whose name was Maria Gerber who had a special visitation of the Spirit. Filled with the joy of the Lord, she would go out in the fields singing in ecstatic worship in a tongue she did not understand. To her, it was no amazing thing. She only knew what, that she was yielding her once unruly heart to the Spirit. As she did so, he caused her to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in a language she had never learned. Some years later, she came to the United States to attend the Christian and Missionary Alliance Bible School. She was unacquainted with the English, English language and proposed to give herself entirely to the study of English during the first few months of her visit to America. She was met, however, by her brother in New York, who said to her, Maria, I want you to go with me and visit a sick friend of mine. You have been marvelously healed of the, Holy, or of the Lord yourself, and I believe if you will go to this friend, God will give you the prayer of faith for him. But she protested. The first thing I'm going to do is to learn English. I have made up my mind not to do any visiting until I have a working knowledge of the English language. So please understand that. Her brother was disappointed and departed, but he left behind him the address of the sick friend. After he had gone, the Lord dealt with her and said, You did not ask me if I wanted you to go and see this sick man. <laughs> you made your own decision not to go, but I want you to visit him. Here she was, a young Swiss girl alone in New York City, knowing no tongue but German, for she came from that part of Switzerland where German is spoken. But she purported or proposed in her heart to find that sick man. She started out and showed the address to the first policeman she met. She did not understand a word the policeman said, but she noticed the direction in which he pointed. Scores of policemen that day had that card to read, and she turned the way they pointed until at last she arrived at the desired address. She was taken to the bed of the sick man. She saw an English Bible by the bedside, picked it up and began to read. Then she prayed, not in her usual German language, 
but in perfect English. The power of the Lord fell on that sick man and he received immediate healing. And Maria Gerber herself received the gift of the English language. She later went to Armenia as a missionary where she labored for many years. Wow. This book that I've read, just the first little bit, is filled with stories of people who were baptized in the Spirit and spoke in English. Woo! Let that mess with your theology. You only thought it was heavenly languages. But God does a unique thing, and why does He do it? I can't tell you all the reasons, but one reason I know is He wants to change our language. He wants to transform us and let us know that He is the one that is there and the one that's doing it. Transformation is available for you. Transformation is available for you. Salvation saves you, transforms you from death to life. Holy Spirit baptism transforms you from ineffective to effective. It transforms you from ineffective to effective. I'm convinced that some people who deal as a believer in Jesus Christ with fear, if they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, could overcome many fears. I'm convinced that people who deal with doubt as a believer in Jesus Christ, if they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, much of that doubt would disappear. I believe that. I believe that many of the issues that we deal with as believers, if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, He transforms us into His image more and more. King Saul was dipped in the Spirit. We know he eventually turned away from the Lord and was rejected by God. But Saul, <laughs> you remember the story last week? Saul was transformed by the power of the gospel and by being baptized in the Spirit. He was pickled. He was dunked. He was completely immersed. And he served the Lord throughout his days. You can claim a baptism fire in your past, but if your wood is wet, it's time for a fresh fire. It's time for a fresh fire. You can claim that you spoke in tongues when you first received, but if your mouth is foul, it's time for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. I'm here to tell you, for those that are in this room that have been baptized in the Spirit, but the last time you spoke in tongues was two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago. It's time for a fresh outpouring. I speak in tongues every day of my life. And there are days that I don't, I know it. Why? Because it's like a well coming up from within me. And as the Holy Spirit is activated, all the gifts of the Spirit are activated. There's more discernment. There's more love. There's more joy. There's more peace. The fruit of the Spirit begins to flow more freely. The gifts of the Spirit begin to flow more freely. Why? Because I'm saying to God, I'm so sorry. I stepped back into my flesh. I'm ready to step back into the Spirit. And I begin to activate that which He poured out on me. It's time for a fresh outpouring of transforming power upon His church. Would you just bow your heads for a few moments as Paxton comes?
And I want you to pray. Listen, I believe in this so much. The title of this message in last week is called Spirit Walk. I want us to be so transformed by the Spirit of God that we walk in the Spirit all the days of our lives. Galatians chapter 5 even warns that if you claim to be in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. Let's be walked out. This is not another Sunday school badge for you to put on your little vest to say, ooh, I got the baptism of fire, ooh, I got tongues, or I got prophecy, or I got this, or I got that. No, this is about life change. This is about transforming that literally you go from being ineffective to effective. And I've heard, had people tell me throughout the years, oh, but what about this person? He's on television and, and he claims not to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but yet he does this and does that and does the other. Listen, I can't speak for those people, but I can speak for the Word of God because it's very clear throughout the Word of God. I can speak for the disciples who Jesus said, go and wait for the gift my Father promised. Do not do any ministry until the Spirit comes. Jesus, earlier in the Gospels, breathed on the Holy Spirit and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Most scholars believe that's when their transformation began. But it wasn't complete until the cross, until the blood, until the resurrection, and until the day of Pentecost. Then they could go do what God had called them to do. If you're watching online, just begin to pray. If you're in this room, just begin to pray. Pray out loud. If you're baptized in the Spirit, just begin to pray in that heavenly language God's given you. If you're not, just begin to pray and seek God and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for a fresh outpouring. I'm ready for a transforming power the transforming power of God to come upon me. I want to be a witness for you. I want, to, I want to do what you've called me to do in the business world, in my home. Wherever I go, God, I want to be a witness for you. I want to be a witness for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just say that right now. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. minutes before the Lord right now. Let's just spend a few minutes before the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, our nation needs you right now. Churches need you right now. We need a fresh outpouring of your spirit. We need a fresh outpouring of your spirit to guide your church. We need a fresh outpouring of your spirit to transform our hearts and our minds. 
We need a fresh outpouring of grace upon us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is called waiting on the Lord, just worshiping, praying. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I'm just going to begin to move. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's moving right now on some of you. Just yield to the Spirit. God's going to do some things in some of you that you've been praying about for a long time. God's going to put a passion and a burden on your heart that you've been praying for for a long time. God's going to begin to touch you and transform you and prepare you right now. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you need to get right with God right now, just go ahead and repent. Say, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Surrender to him right now in Jesus' name. Surrender to him right there. You don't have to pray a special prayer. Just surrender. Surrender your life to him right now. In the name of Jesus. We brought the kids back in because we believe that this scripture that I just read is not just for adults. It's not just for old people. It's for the young. It's for the youngest of the young. This is a promise for you and your children. This is a promise for sons and daughters, for men and women, for people of every socioeconomic background, for people of every status or stature. There were priests that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church, and there were slaves that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. It doesn't matter what you come from or where you came from or where you are right now. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour out His Spirit upon you. And I've been praying and saying, God, how do we how do we do this? Because you see in the New Testament, if I were to go by the New Testament example, 
There were times when they laid hands on those. Paul laid hands on those, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then there were other times when Peter was preaching in Cornelius' house where the Spirit of God fell, and before he could even lay hands on somebody, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you just right now, this is what I hear the Holy Spirit saying. If you are saying, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or I want a fresh outpouring, I know I know that it's been too long and I need a fresh outpouring. I want to be transformed. I've allowed fears and doubts and other things to creep in. And I want a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. If that's what you want, then I want you to stand right where you are. And I want you to lift your hands and I want you to ask God for it. Ask your Father. Say, Father, pour out your Spirit on me. Father, I want a fresh outpouring. I want a fresh outpouring of your Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, kids, lift your hands. Just lift your hands like this and just say, Father, Papa God, fill me with your spirit. You told me to ask, so I'm asking. You told me to ask, so I'm asking. I need a fresh outpouring, Lord. I've allowed the voice of the world to drown out the voice of the Spirit in my life. I'm ready for a fresh outpouring. I'm ready for a fresh outpouring. You say, Papa God, Father God, pour out your Spirit. Pour out your Spirit. Say, Jesus, Jesus, pour out your Spirit in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, 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 welcome. I want my sons out of the back of that sound booth right now. I want you to get out of there. Get away from that sound booth. My sound is fine. You don't need to be back there. You get it right here. Stand right by your mama. In the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit on my children. Jesus, pour out your spirit on my children. Every one of my children better be standing right now. Fresh outpouring in Jesus' name. Fresh outpouring in Jesus' name. Change their heart of stone into a heart of flesh right now. Let your spirit be poured out on them right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. From my 7-year-old to my 26-year-old, I proclaim fresh outpouring. Fresh Fresh, fresh, fresh in Jesus' name. God, we want to be a family of the Spirit. We want to be a family of the Spirit. Come on, parents. Lay hands on your kids. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Whoa, fresh, fresh, fresh. Come on, husbands and wives, pray together right now. Pray for one another right now. Pray for one another right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're at home right now, just reach over and touch somebody. Touch that person next to you and pray fresh outpouring. Fresh outpouring. Fresh outpouring. Fresh outpouring. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we want to see our children prophesy. We want to see our children prophesy. 
You promised it in your word. God, so therefore we proclaim it. It's easy to prophesy something that's already been prophesied. So we prophesy right now. We declare and proclaim that our children, our grandchildren are filled with the Spirit, prophesying in the Spirit, full of the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for my grandchildren that I have not met. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon the generations, that your promise would be true in my, in my family, that it would be for my children and my great-grandchildren and my, my great-great-grandchildren until the Lord comes. God, that you would pour out your spirit in my family line. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we accept your free gift of baptism. We expect, accept your free gift of, of salvation today, Lord. It's a free gift. All you have to do is open it. Say, Holy Spirit, I want it. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in mighty ways today. God, I pray healing today, healing today. I feel like maybe somebody came today with a new pain that they woke up with that they haven't told anybody about yet, and God wants to heal that today. If that's you, just lift your hands. We're going to pray. Jesus, touch. Touch Jesus. Touch Jesus. Speak healing today in Jesus' name. Healing today in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Dwell here. Dwell here, Lord. Dwell here, Lord. Dwell here, Lord. I feel like today somebody's getting a new destiny, a new vision for their life. I feel like there's somebody here who has no direction for their life, no vision didn't know where you were going. Your dreams never happened, but God wants to give you new dreams today. God wants to give you new dreams today. All you got to do is ask him. New dreams, new visions today, Lord. Got a fresh fire today in Jesus. Is there anybody here that needs healing today? Does anybody have a pain in their body or know somebody that, that has a pain in their body in their close family? Anybody else need healing today? Even if it's a stomach ache or a headache or, or anything. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. Just let him move. I think that there's somebody, there's a parent or a, or maybe it's a, a wife. I'm not sure who it is, but it's a relative. 
And God is telling you to say something to another relative right now. I don't know if that's a husband, wife, or a child, and a parent. I don't have that clarity. But you need to go to that relative right now, and you're not going to speak your own word. Maybe it's even in, at the house. But you're going to speak a word of God to them right now. Be obedient. Be obedient. Say, this is what I feel the Lord is saying. And I think it's unique because God wants to do it within the family. He wants to speak it from a family member to a family member. So if that's you and you know you've got this word burning in your heart, it's for that family member that's next to you or that's in this room. Go to them right now and speak it to them. Let the prophecy begin to flow. Maybe a parent to a child or a child to a parent. I don't know. Just speak it out. Let God move through you right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is so easy to receive the blessing of God with evidence of speaking in an unknown language and then let it go. And that's what the devil wants you to do. But I believe today is a day of revival, a day of rejuvenating, a day of saying, God, fill me afresh. And so, Lord, this morning, I just pray that the Holy Ghost would come down, fill every heart, every life afresh with a new anointing, an anointing, Lord, to serve you, an anointing of power, because that's what your word says. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon us. God, in the name of Jesus, touch hearts this morning and lives. Make us hungry, 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 hungry for more. Hungry to minister to somebody in the name of Jesus. Lord, we'll give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. believe the Holy Spirit would say, what is your desire? What is your desire? If you desire my presence, 
ask. If you desire my power, ask. If you desire my wisdom, ask. Everything you need is found in me. Everything that you need is found in me. Peace, joy, love, understanding, clarity is found in me. What you've been trying to fill the voids in your life with will not work. Is found in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. I believe somebody that's in this room, I know that it's that specific, somebody in this room this week is going to have an encounter with God. And it's going to be so powerful in your own life that we could write it in a book like I just read to you a minute ago. I could tell you story after story after story. I could tell you the story of Alicia who was seeking She'd been raised in a non-Pentecostal background, I'll say it that way. But she'd been coming to our church for several years. In fact, I think was already a secretary at our church. She wanted so badly the power of the Holy Spirit to transform her in her life. And while she was driving her truck to work, she was just worshiping the Lord. She had the 
Spirit of God filled that little cab of that little Ford Ranger. She had to pull over. She was gloriously baptized in the Spirit in that truck. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm telling you, God wants to do something, and it's not just on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings should be the culmination and the celebration of what God has done all week long. And I believe somebody in this room is going to have an encounter. I mean, I pray we all do, amen? But I believe there's going to be somebody that's going to have a powerful encounter, and I want to pray for that. God, I pray that we'd be open. We'd all be open. But, God, for whoever this individual is that you're pointing out, God, I pray that we would not allow fear, doubt, unbelief, religious background get in the way of what you want to do. But, God, we would allow you to come in and transform us by your mighty Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we go throughout this week, that you would have your way in us. Do what only you can do. Let us flow in your spirit. Let us walk in your spirit, especially during this day and this hour. God, help us to be always ready to give an answer to those who question us and wonder about the hope that's inside of us. Holy Spirit, you promised through your word that you would give us the words when we needed them. So I pray words be given to us exactly when we need them this week. We thank you for that and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. You are blessed in your coming and you're blessed in your going. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Amen. Amen. God bless you.